Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the 17th. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide that absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers. One of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips is the checks and balances, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one faith-filled issue at a time. we got a lot of work to do to restore the republic, ladies and gentlemen. Today is a special day I might shout out. Today is Constitution Day. September 17th, ladies and gentlemen, in the year of our Lord, 2021, we celebrate September 17th, 1787. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is indeed Constitution Day. We'll talk about it in much more detail with Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio second hour. But I'm just telling you, we'd like to wish you a happy Constitution Day big time. We're going to celebrate. Hope you celebrate all weekend long as well. All right, a quick recap of yesterday's show. We had Eldon Stahl Eldon Stahl with us. He's the field coordinator for the John Birch Society in my area, jbs.org, thenewamerican.com. Eldon Stahl doing a phenomenal job with us on your radio. And uh, we also had Brian Russ, russcoinandgift.com on your radio doing a great job. We had an Honest Money Report update from Brian. We talked about Biden still has complete confidence in this whacked-out General Milley who literally absolutely well, in my humble opinion, committed treason, but he's innocent until proven guilty, but we need to investigate that big times. They say he alerted China to a possible report of an attack. Now, whether you agree with the attack or not, or the idea that there was going to be an attack or not, no matter what you believe, do our generals have rights to go behind our president's back and go to the Chinese, communist Chinese, Liberation Army leader, and say, hey, let me give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. A criminal activity, ladies and gentlemen, my personal opinion. We talked about an Alaska state senator doing a great job. Her name is Laura Reinhold. And she's been excused from votes due to mask airline um, mandate. Anyway, they require masks. She won't wear one. They're saying, hey, you can't come on the airlines. She's saying, okay, then I need absentee voting capabilities. A big old battle going on. Her claim, and she's spot on right, constitutionally speaking, you know what? The federal government through the president can't mandate masks on airlines. First off, this airline is flying only in Alaska. It's not federal at all. And even if the president were right, he doesn't have authority over the states. But the problem is the president's in the wrong branch of government to make law in the first place. Congress has made no law, ladies and gentlemen. But even Congress doesn't have authority to make laws over the states like that, they're only responsible for the 10-mile-square section of Washington District criminals. The states are sovereign, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, we talked about a coordinated ransomware attack. Strikes 22 towns in Texas. 
and we talked about how it's just becoming a dog-eat-dog world out there, financially speaking. How do you ever know if a transaction is legitimate? It's very difficult. We talked about a Democrat strategist by the name of Douglas Schoen declares his party will suffer a blowout defeat in 2022. Well, in a way, I pray that he's right. In a way, I don't like the partisan discussions here as if the Republicans are going to do a whole lot better. They talk big, but when it comes to delivering, they don't get it done, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about an incredible report, rent prices in the Olympic state of Utah. Wow, out of control. Utah County, 66% increase since the pandemic began. Just out of control rent. How do people even survive? Don't know. That was our one Liberty Roundtable Live. Hour two, we talked about Biden moving to rejoin and ratify U.N. gun control treaty. Peter Rakowski with that piece from the New American. Thousands of LAPD employees to seek religious exemptions from COVID-19 vaccines. Veronica Karolinko with that one. Think about that. Thousands of LAD, LAPD police wanting religious exemptions. They don't want to get vaxxed, folks. People don't want to get vaxxed. You got it? Los Angeles County to mandate COVID-19 vaccine passports, writes Jax Phillips. New York City on Monday started officially imp- implementing its passport system. San Francisco last month also rolled out a vaccine passport mandate. Wow, it's out of control, folks. And now they're teaming that up with climate change. Listen up. Researchers propose a personal carbon allowance to fight climate change. Yeah, they want every human being on Earth to carry what they call a, um, they call it a personal carbon allowance device. They want everybody to carry one of those in order to track an individual's carbon consumption. Anyway, the idea was, believe it or not, published in the, uh, Climate equals alarmist journal of nature sustainability. I mean, these people are crazy, but they want to tie that climate change stuff to your vaccine status, to your social media credit status, all tied together with your driver's license, your birth certificate. And well, of course, you got to have your health records because of COVID, don't you know? I mean, it's out of control, ladies and gentlemen. We're being driven by fear and lies. They say COVID hospitalization scam now exposed by Newsmax's Lynchfield or Stinchfield, I guess is how you say it. Anyway, Ben Armstrong with the New American brought that to my attention. Great article. Great video, I should say. Also leaked Zoom video now reveals hospital officials are discussing COVID-19 scare tactics. How do we scare the population? How do we make them believe they're going to die if they don't get the cocoa facts? We've got to push this. Anyway, Matt McGregor with those details bottom line is at the end of the hour we talked about enough is enough lawmaker he's a state representative his name is mike sylvia and he's from belmont new hampshire and he's pushing his state that's new hampshire to secede from the union he calls it secede from biden's america he says hundreds examples of the federal government overstepping its authority bob undra wnd.com with the article And I get that there's trouble in the republic. I get that it's a battle every day. I get that liberty versus tyranny is in the crosshairs, no question. I understand all that, but I would tell you, ladies and gentlemen, secession from the union is not the answer. Neither is an Article 5 con-con the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't need to find ways to rewrite the Constitution or jettison the Constitution. You don't need to find ways to leave the greatest country on the face of the earth. What you need to do is double down and turn to God and repent. After all, if we do so, he promises us that he will heal our land and protect us. What more do you want, people? 
But after repenting and turning to God Almighty as individuals and families and as a nation, the next step, ladies and gentlemen, is to follow the principles that made America great. Okay, you don't need to jettison or rewrite the Constitution. What you need to do is embrace it. I believe by the precepts in the Constitution, we can preserve the nation. But it's going to take Americans in great numbers insisting on a moral reality for the nation. It's going to take us to demand the checks and balances are upheld. For example, Joe Biden trying to mandate vaccines across the country. He has no authorities in the wrong branch of government to make law. Secondly, you know what? He doesn't make law over the states in the first place. So it's all wrong. But the checks and balances could shut him down. All 50 states need to just nullify and say, we're not doing that here, buddy. Good idea, but you're whacked. We're not doing it. Not happening. Nullified. Done. Next. And if 50 states did it, if the American people insisted on it, Joe would be shut down before he ever even got the words out of his mouth. But again, it's going to take educated Americans that understand the checks and balances and have the guts to insist on the checks and balances. Congress should be jealously guarding their power and saying, Joe, you've lost your mind, sir. You're out of control. That isn't your purview. In fact, we're going to impeach you for even trying to steal our power. Don't ever, ever do that again. All right, Chris Carlson with me now. That's a recap of yesterday's broadcast. Still available at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net. Chris Carlson with me. Discussions of all things liberty, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, let me pot him up there. He had a lot of background noise, so I had to pot him down because it was so loud. Anyway, Chris, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good morning, Sam. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in that fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. Fantastic. And, Welcome and to happy Constitution, Constitution Day. Day to you. Amen. Thank you, sir. Happy Constitution yeah. Day it is. And ladies and gentlemen, it's story time. We're going to present several children's stories, ladies and gentlemen. I've been talking about the morality of the nation, and we need to hold the moral high ground, no doubt. But several children's stories will illustrate moral principles relevant to our current political environment, ladies and gentlemen. We need to kind of really realize that there's a lot of stories that are children's stories. I don't know how many of your children get to hear them in modern government school. That's a problem. Uh, but nevertheless, I digress. I'm just telling you, these stories can really make a difference in your understanding and application of the sacred principles of liberty in modern day. Chris? Yes, sir. Simple children's stories, Sam, can teach us lessons that help alert us to the designs of conspiring men. Excuse me. And two of them are fables, Aesop's fables, the, the famous um, fable writer from uh, uh, Greek, I guess, oh, I don't know, 400 years B.C. in Greece. So we'll start with the goose that laid the golden eggs. Have you ever heard that one, Sam? I've heard them all, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I think Congress needs to hear these because they teach us lessons that are very simple and very simple to understand. Even a child can comprehend them. But, not, uh, not, only they, we, not only are they simple, though, let's, let's understand a couple of things about all these parables. Not only are they simple, but they're very poignant, meaning they have layers of understanding uh, that I think we gain over time as we grow and our knowledge as we mature into adulthood. These lessons that we learn as children really can resonate and can really be applied in multiple ways. There's not singular answers uh, to the parables. There's interpretations, but there's... There's lifelong experiences that drive home those lessons. We'll talk about it with Chris Carlson in seconds. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country, 
and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Sam Butchman, Chris Carlson on your radio. The parable of the golden goose starts now, Chris. Yes, sir. There was once a countryman, I assume that means a farmer, who possessed the most wonderful goose, Sam. For every day when he visited the nest, the goose had laid a beautiful glittering golden egg. Wow, wouldn't it be nice to have one of those? The countryman took the eggs to market and soon began to become rich. But it was not long before he grew impatient with the goose because she gave him only one single golden egg a day. He was not getting rich fast enough. Then one day, after he had finished counting his money, the idea came to him that he could get all the golden eggs at once by killing the goose and cutting it open. But when the deed was done, not a single golden egg did he find, and his precious goose was now dead. So what do you think that uh, analogy or that parable what that fable applies to today most appropriately. I would say, say greed's at the core of it, and I would say that what we really mm-hmm. need to think about in America, ladies and gentlemen, is these congressmen and senators, those who represent us oftentimes, they're out for, you know, they come in, poor as church mice, or the, you know, the average Joe, they leave very, very wealthy as kind of elitists, if you will. And what they've yep. managed to do is, you know, cash in on enough golden uh-huh. eggs, but what they're doing on the altar of that is killing the goose. In other words, they're destroying the principles that allow the greatest free market in the world to work. Uh, and so um, that's the parabolist parable from a congressional or our leader's point of view. From the American's point of view, it's I'm going to have bread and circus. I'm going to go ahead and just watch TV. I'm going to hang out. I don't have time to go to my city council meeting. I don't have time to, to, to do anything that I need to do for freedom. Somebody else will take care of that. Don't worry. 
Just make sure that goose keeps laying the golden eggs every day for me, baby. But what they don't understand is the goose dies. Uh, because you know what? An animal needs to be fed. Okay? Children need to be fed. Um, liberty needs to be cared for. And, and what we're doing is simply saying, keep laying golden eggs, but there's no care for you. And that doesn't work either. So those are two interpretations that I have, Chris, from a representative's point of view and those who serve us to us ourselves. We're greedy. We want something for nothing. We expect it all just to happen without engaging in the sacred cause of liberty. And we'll never have it because that's, you know, that's ignorance. You'll never be free with ignorance. And so it's critical that we understand it from both those perspectives, sir. Those are two interpretations. Well, America is prosperous because we have hardworking citizens who practice thrift and self-reliance. And just like Margaret Thatcher once said, Sam, you're probably familiar with this statement, uh, the only problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. But it's not money, it's productivity. The more people that are on the welfare rolls, and I'm working the more the welfare rolls angle of this issue, you know, than the, the politicians, although that's just as bad, if not worse, because there is uh, corporate welfare, which is, <laughs> I would say, probably worse than uh, poor people welfare. But, um, you know, Margaret Thatcher said that the only problem with uh, socialism is you run out of other people's money. And eventually, if we keep going down the road that we're going, if we keep allowing, and nowadays it's an estimated uh, one million refugees, and most of these are third-world refugees. We're getting some from Afghanistan, as you know, Sam. We're getting some crossing the southern border, which represent over 160 countries, as you probably know, not just Mexico or Guatemala or Central America. So these people are swelling the welfare rolls. You know, this is being done by design. Are you familiar with the Cloward-Piven strategy that was concocted in 1966? Yes, it's very diabolical. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. uh, Francis Fox Piven is a professor of political science and sociology at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. The late Richard Cloward was a sociologist and liberal activist, and they were uh, life partners, by the way, back when life partners uh, were not very popular. Um, The the end goal of the Cloward-Piven strategy, Sam, is the creation of a political crisis by overwhelming the American welfare rolls. Their strategy by the way, by the way, Saul Linsky talked a lot about this overwhelming every aspect of our society. So they've taken this principle from this that works, and they've basically used it everywhere now, whether it becomes overwhelming us in the media, overwhelming the welfare systems, overwhelming um, <clears throat> the political voting process. Uh, they're doing this with every aspect of our society now. Uh, they are. Now, here's the problem. Once, there's, once they, they get away with their scheme, which I think they're going to get very close to accomplishing, they're going to want to not blame it on socialism because we're to the point, Sam, where I, I think we can call our country a socialist country. So there's so much redistribution of wealth, whether that be on the corporate level or on the, um, the, the poverty level, that I think most people will, will realize what had happened. There was too much wealth distribution, too too little productivity. So they're going to have to do it in a way where they can blame the capitalist free market system. Do you agree with me? Because they're not going to want to blame it on what actually caused it because they're want, going to want to continue those policies into their new world order system. Yeah, what they're going to do is use some transitionary circumstance such as a war or a famine or COVID. I don't know what they'll, they'll – uh 
select it this time. I'm just telling you, they will create a crisis of the day that takes the blame. Exactly. And I'm not exactly sure, uh, you know, what that will be. But, but it, they will hide the true cause of the economic collapse, which will most likely occur during our lifetime, Sam. Uh, you know, I just want to warn people in, in advance of what, what's going on. And this is not something that is hidden. Most conservative pundits are familiar with the, uh, the Cloward-Piven strategy. This was formulated back before the year before we were born, Sam, in 1966. So keep an eye on that. Any more we need to say about uh, the goose that laid the golden egg? And that is America, by the way. Yeah, the, the yeah. only thing I will say about that is this. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, these stories, although simple, have poignant principles to ponder. And as you relate it to your life, those who serve you, those around you, greed is at the center of that story. And greed is not God's way. Remember the story of manna in the Bible. They got what they needed every day and depended on God. And if they took too much, it rotted. Same will apply for you, ladies and gentlemen. Be grateful for what God gives you. Don't expect too much. Do your best, but understand that we've got to be very careful about what we expect to have. Don't be greedy. It serves no one well. It's about people rather than possessions. Stone Soup makes this point. Yes, and it's not uh, being motivated by profit. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we live within our means and don't covet somebody else's wealth. Well, and as long because as you put God first before your riches and seek for your riches to do good for those around you. That's true. And, yep, very good point. Stone Soup, moving on to the next story. Now, this one's too long to read word for word, so we'll ju I'll just give you a summary. Three hungry and tired soldiers passed through a war-torn village. This is, uh, by the way, this is uh, based on an old French tale. So three hungry and tired soldiers passed through a war-torn village. Embittered and suspicious from the war, the people hide their food and close their windows tight. That is, until the clever strangers suggest making a soup from stones. Have you ever tried to make soup from stones, Sam? <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, right. Intrigued by the idea, everybody brings what they have, like, you know, food, uh, onions, potatoes, carrots. They, oh, you know, I'll, I'll contribute a little to this because it looks like I'm going to get a free meal. Have you ever heard that before? Getting something for free? Until together they have made a feast fit for a king. Okay, and this goes back to 1947. I think it was a, an American author, Marsha Brown. Okay, so the deception behind this story, Sam, is that these uh, these three travelers going through this war-torn village promised the villagers that they would give them something if they would just contribute a little to the cause. You know, a few carrots, a few onions, uh, a few potatoes. But what they were doing is they were deceiving the people of the village into thinking that the three travelers were actually contributing the lion's share to the cause of the meal, which, in fact, they weren't. They were putting rocks in water and saying, this is soup, okay? So, so the moral of the story is, the and I'm going to transition now to modern-day politics, is the government can only give you what you first have given them. And that's the grand deception. We need to realize. And not only can they not give you anything until you have given them, and it may be your neighbor who's giving whatever. But whatever you give to the government, you get back only a small portion of what you have contributed. 
So it is a net. It is not a net zero game. You're, you're losing through in, the inefficiencies of government. Um, and that's why Chris Bastier's "The Law Taught." The only thing we put on the altar of government is that which is necessary to maximize freedom, and nothing more. And when we put more than maximizing freedom's sacred cause, we create moral hazard, ladies and gentlemen. Understand yeah. that principle. The other flaw in the stone soup uh, parable is that these people have some authority to organize everyone and provide the leadership. What they provided was a leadership with good intentions down a primrose, pra- primrose path that was dishonest and immoral. Hang tight. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The family of missing YouTuber Gabby Petito has called on the family of her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, to help them find their daughter. Traveling cross-country as a couple, their journey was documented on social media. Now Gabby is missing. The fiancé is in hiding in his parents' home in Florida after returning with Gabby's van and no Gabby. Representative Anthony Gonzalez, one of 10 Republicans who tried to impeach former President Trump for inciting the January 6th riot on the Capitol, will not seek re-election to his northern Ohio seat in 2022. In a statement, he said, the best path for a family is not to seek re-election next fall. A grand jury has returned an indictment against Michael Sussman, a lawyer for Hillary Clinton. The complaint says he lied to the FBI. The Russia collusion case against President Trump was used by Democrats for years, allegedly based on a dossier. The FBI's investigation concluded that there was insufficient evidence of a secret communication channel with the Trump Organization and Russian operatives. USA Radio News. Nielsen says more than 30 million Americans are now tuning in to Newsmax TV. It's one of the biggest media stories. Newsmax is available on all major cable systems. And if you cut the cord and don't get cable, you can still get Newsmax. Find it on your smart TVs like Samsung, LG, and more. Just go to your smart TV channel guide or download the free Newsmax app. Newsmax also streams free on Roku, Zumo, Pluto, Amazon Fire, or TiVo. And 7 million people have the Newsmax app on their smartphone. It takes seconds to download it on your phone, and there's no paywall or subscription. So watch Newsmax for breaking news anytime, anywhere. President Trump says Newsmax is really good, and Forbes calls Newsmax a news powerhouse. Find out why tens of millions of Americans are watching Newsmax TV and going to Newsmax.com for breaking news. It's a source you can trust. Newsmax is real news for real people. Dog racing tracks around the country are disappearing. Chris Barnes reports. Dog racing has been in some American states for over a 100 years, but its popularity really peaked in 1985. In the years that have followed, state laws have led to the closure of racetracks all across the country. And now, after Florida's tracks closed at the end of 2020, Iowa and Arkansas's tracks are going to be closing by the end of next year. The one in Dubuque, Iowa, making that official with an announcement on Thursday. The GM saying there were signs of the industry's collapse now for years. The DRA, for example, provided a million dollars a year for seven years for Greyhound Racing to go away because it cost more than that to subsidize the prizes that were awarded the Greyhounds that won the race. It means only two active commercial dog race tracks will still be in existence, and they're both in West Virginia. In the New England Bureau of USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. We are USA Radio News. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about parables and how they apply to the current political landscape in which we live. Ladies and gentlemen, the stone soup parable really is poignant because it's one of the most base needs that we all have, which is food. And I submit to you that they're going to get there. When there becomes a famine, they're going to get there, and they're going to play games with us and get us to trade some of the most dear things we have, and they're going to give a stone in return. Nothing of value, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, the betrayal will be evident. Uh, and they've done that with vaccines now, too. Now I'm reading that doctors are saying there's a 20 times increased likelihood of cancer after you've taken the COVID vaccine. Anyway, that's not something I want to dig into right this second, but I'm just telling you they're giving you stones of soup. How do you like that? Does it fill your belly or is it a betrayal? Chris? So if I could just put one more fine point on that. The fact of the matter, Sam, is that when the government gives handouts to needy people, they must first take more than they give from the productive sector of society. The result is that the recipient receives less then is taken from the productive class, resulting in a net loss of wealth in the overall economy. So, and we don't understand that, and that's simple economics. We there should be have taught that. We should be taught that at the seventh grade level. Hey, well, we not- are taught that. A lot of people understand a lot of this. They're just afraid to say something. The emperor's yeah. new yep. clothes makes that point very poignant. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is the granddaddy of them all. And most people are familiar with the story. It is popular among conservative talk show hosts. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, then you probably haven't been listening to too many talk show hosts lately. You've probably used this as an analogy in your commentary, Sam. um, Let's just read a summary real quick. Uh, It's it's written by the Danish famous author, Hans Christian Andersen. I'm sure most people in your audience have heard of him. In 1837, so this thing has uh, withstood the test of time. It's about two swindlers who arrive at the capital city of an emperor who spends lavishly on clothing at the expense of the state of state matters. Posing as weavers, they offer to supply him with magnificent clothes that are invisible to those who are stupid or incompetent. The emperor hires them, and they set up looms to go to work. A succession of officials. And then the emperor himself visits them to check their progress. Each sees that the looms are empty, but pretends otherwise to avoid being thought a fool. Finally, the weavers report that the emperor's suit is finished. They mime dressing him and set and sets off, and he sets off in a procession before the whole city. The townsfolk uncomfortably go along with the pretense, not wanting to appear inept or stupid, until a little child child blurts out that the emperor is wearing nothing at all. The people then realize that everybody has been fooled. Although startled, the emperor continues the procession, walking more proudly than ever. So that's the summary of that story. And I think oftentimes we we put trust in, in emperors, if you will, or politicians, national leaders, who claim to be doing or want to do everything that we want them to do. And then when we discover... Uh, that it was more hype than reality, Sam. We continue to perpetuate the charade that he is, in fact, doing what he promised. And I would think that the poster child for that, and I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers and offend some people here, would be President Donald Trump. And I've got a whole list of reasons why I feel that way. Did you want to comment on that before I go through those lists of reasons? Well, I want to comment on this um issue about the clothes and you know you could say that sam that's an absurd example nobody would uh, not mention if he was you know the clothes somebody would speak up come on 
And you think that, but you also ask yourself how Germany, how the Germans let happen to them what happened to them. And then you kind of say, you know, with COVID right now, whether you agree with the COVID shots or not, whether you agree that it's a, a devastating disease or not, that isn't the point. The point is this, this idea that we're going to mandate vaccinations for everyone. We're going to literally put an experimental vaccine in everyone's arm, whether you agree or not. We're going to take away your personal autonomy, your personal agency, your personal choice to choose as you think best. We all know better than that, but most folks don't have the guts to say, hey, there's no clothes with this. We're not doing that. And I think that's at the core of this parable. It sounds absurd a little bit, uh, but when you dig into it and apply it to more common examples, you know, for example, uh, most people know that, A, their government schools aren't doing very well, but who really calls a halt to the con game and takes their children out? Who really, okay, and what we seem to do is just not be willing to stand up. Well, my job might be on the line. Well, it's, I, I, I've been told as a kid not to talk about politics or religion. Or, you know what, let's leave that to somebody else. It's kind of uncomfortable, um, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, this is kind of the, the where the rubber meets the road with this parable a little bit. But be quick about Trump because we got a lot of things to cover. Yes, sir. <clears throat> really quick. <clears throat> Uh, Donald Trump did the following. He, he increased our trade deficit with China, in spite of the rhetoric up to the contrary. Number two, he increased the size of the federal government. That is uh, mathematically documentable. Number three, increased the national debt more. And listen to this, because th this is a distinction I think people really need to wrap their heads around. In four short years, Sam, he increased our national debt more than all presidents combined for the first 200 years of our nation's existence. And that is mathematically documentable. He passed the largest stimulus, wealth redistribution package in the history of the nation. He did not get us out of the Paris Accords until 78 days before his departure from office. Number six, he issued a national emergency declaration which allowed the federal government to redistribute $50 billion to the state. Number seven, he bailed out the state of California, which was over $50 billion in debt at the time. Thank you, Donald Trump, for bailing out a socialist state. <laughs> and, he, and hold on. And he even argued before he did it against it, showing how he knows it's problematic. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, that makes him even more culpable, doesn't it? Because he admitted that he knew what he was doing. He had his hand in the cookie jar. Anyway. Number eight, protected the abortion industry in violation of the 5th and 14th Amendments of the Constitution. We could go on and on about that one, but I won't. Nine, he failed to repeal the ongoing invasion on our southern border with military might. Yeah, he built like 400 miles worth of fence, but he should have in the meantime stationed troops so that, you know, while he was building the wall, it would have mitigated the problem for the time being. Okay, number 10, he failed to release state lands unconstitutionally being held by the federal government. Number 11, he protected the criminal federal reserve system, the IRS, Department of Education, the EPA, and dozens of other un unconstitutional federal agencies. And finally, and this is not the, the entire list, we could go on and on, he criticized the mainstream media, but Sam, he never suggested alternatives such as LewRockwell.com, such as LibertyNewsRadio.com, World Affairs Brief, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I'm going to add a 13th for a baker's dozen on this one. He pushed a lot for pro-life, and, and you got to give him a lot of credit. He was uh, more of a pro-life president than any president in U.S. history that I know of. Now, it's hard to kind of compare yesteryear presidents because we didn't have murder in America. 
back when they were president. But in modern-day presidencies, he has been the most pro-life, and I commend him for that. But he could have pushed a lot harder and done a lot more and made it criminal across the nation by executive order. If Joe Biden can force me to take a jab, certainly Donald Trump could say, don't murder babies or you're going to be accountable for murder. Okay, but he didn't go far enough on that one either. So I appreciate yeah, the whole life, but let's get it done, people. People are dying every day, right? Yeah. Yeah, talk about a holocaust. We have a holocaust of the unborn in this nation. But and speaking, we will be held to account. But speaking of the parables, the interesting thing about Trump is the next one we have is, a, is the rattlesnake parable. And believe it or not, Donald Trump, right when he became president or while he was on the campaign trail, I can't remember which, he literally told this story around the country. Yes, which is it was just extremely ironic, because you know he's he he is the rattlesnake in a sense, and I hate to do that to your audience. I know people are cringing and gritting their teeth at this time. Yes, the farmer and the snake. This is actually an Aesop's fable, and there are various and sundry versions of this. We could talk about the one where the Indian goes on the top of the mountain or whatever, but this is the original one from Aesop's fable. A farmer walked through his field one cold winter morning. On the ground lay a snake, stiff and frozen with the cold. The farmer knew how deadly the snake could be, and yet he picked it up and put it into his bosom to warm it back to life. The snake soon revived, and when it had enough strength, he, the snake bit the man who, held, who had been so kind to it. The bite was deadly, and the farmer felt that he must die. As he drew his last breath, he said to those standing around, Learn from my fate not to take pity, and I added, or trust on a scoundrel. So that's that version of the story as written over 2,000 years ago by a And there's a lot of versions, but here's the point that I want to make about this. I know you think Trump's the snake. I would submit to you that the deep state is the snake. And although Trump thought he was wise by telling the story, Trump danced with the deep state. Trump picked up the deep state snake. And the deep state, wow, deep state snake literally betrayed Trump. And you can see how he got courted by them. The media promoted him. Even though they acted like they hate him, they got him so much coverage he got elected. Uh, but then what the deep state did was bid him. They ran him out on a rail and said he's the greatest insurrectionist in the world. Equivalent to the bite. I think Trump got bit by the deep state's what I think. And the deep state is the snake in, in this parable in my uh, summation. Quick pause. Chris Carlson, Liberty Roundtable Live. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T dot com, MericaFirst dot com. All right, Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson breaking it down just for you. All right, our final um, anecdote, if you will, is a story about grapes, Chris. Yeah, well, <clears throat> we can do that or we can go into the interpretation of the farmer and the snake. Go ahead. Whichever you prefer. Go ahead, sir. Well, farmer and the snake. Well, first of all, I'd like to make some commentary on what you said about Mr. Trump. He allowed the deep state to lead him along. Yes, he did. Um, and that was the result, you know, why he didn't accomplish hardly anything. Well, of course, with the state of Israel, he accomplished everything that he promised. But that's a different story. But uh, I, I do believe, in, as you know, and, you know, reasonable people can disagree on things. I do believe that Donald Trump was deeply invested in the deep state. He was actually part of it. So that that's my commentary there. And, you know, we can disagree. And I may be wrong. I may discover someday that I was wrong. All well, and, and I don't know that. I'm not debating that you're wrong. All I'm saying is that I want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt somewhere. I want to believe and have some hope in something. And I want to embrace all the good that is done based on principle. Because if you don't, there's yeah. nowhere to go but negativity. There's nowhere to go but absolute despair. Okay, so if you say everybody's involved in the deep state and we're cooked and there's no hope, right, then you're just done. And so I'm right. saying that when Donald Trump stood for pro-life, he didn't get enough done. I'll be honest about it. But he got more done than any other president in modern day since Roe versus Wade, since the murder and slaughter of young babies amongst us, uh, King Herod style, if you will, almost, um, is commencing. He's done more to stop it than any other president. So there needs to be some credit given for that kind of stuff. He's brought out that the media is a problem. Did he, did he lead people completely to the answers? No, he didn't, but he did more than any other president to expose the fraudulent media for who they are. So, see, there's got to be some credit there for some of those things, uh, even though he didn't do enough or even though, you know, you can find flaws in what he did. He certainly did a lot of things that are negative. But I also kind of look at it like blaming Lincoln for all the problems. The Southerners blame Lincoln for everything as if, as if a single man can control everything. I'm not so sure how much a single man has control to a, an infinite degree anyway. Uh, so, anyway, there's some issues there to be considered. Um, and if I could use another analogy really quick, <clears throat> Sam, if you want to get rid of dandelions in your yard, you know, you got to go out there with a shovel and dig them out by the roots. The, the issue that I had with Mr. Trump is he was not uh, addressing the problem at the root of the problem, which I would say most importantly would probably be the Federal Reserve System, because that then gives the deep state an unlimited amount of funds with which to overthrow our constitutional republic. 
and he never addressed that problem either. He didn't know. Well, the he did, spe- he did speak out about the Federal Reserve being a problem. He just did nothing about it. Yeah, and it would have been so easy. And he, anyway, I don't want to get too far well, off. Well, JFK on that got path. murdered for trying that, though, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I right, would JFK, be willing. I mean, <laughs> JFK tried to create the $2 bill, which was a United States note, not a Federal Reserve note, yep. and they literally exactly. killed him for it. So, uh, you know, again, well, you know, it's easy to play quarterback. Uh, but I, I would say this, the poignant parable, the most important part about this uh, in my mind is, hey, um, this rattlesnake parable is very important, folks. You know what? You don't dance with the devil if you don't want to get stung. That's okay. for sure. And, and the video I sent you, do you want to play that? All right. So you're, you're all over the map. We've got to stick with something that makes sense for people. So we just finished the snake story. Um, do you want to skip the grape story? Uh, for the time being, so right. there's something so, very important in connection with the snake story that I want to talk about. All right, about. so here's what, what happens, ladies and gentlemen. I have a bunch of stories that, that Chris sends me that he wants to cover, and I'm just not sure which ones he wants to change his mind on in the instant that he changes his mind, right? So now we want to talk about Israeli loyalty pledge. So you got to set the stage, then I'll play your clip. Okay, so I'll, I'm going to read word for word so I don't miss anything on this one. So the interpretation of the snake story, Sam, is this. The people who we send to Congress do not really represent us or our interests. On May 22, 2011, Cynthia McKinney, a lot of people may recognize that name, Cynthia McKinney claimed that the Israeli lobby is the most powerful special interest group in Washington, D.C. And she said, if you don't sign the pledge, you don't get money. She also went on to say... um, that there was a person willing to sponsor her fund. So she was a one-term congresswoman in the House of Representatives. And after her first term, she needed money, obviously, in her district, which is Stone Mountain, Georgia, uh, to become reelected. So somebody called. She doesn't say who this is. She said there was a person willing to sponsor a fundraiser for, for my campaign in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Uh, after two or three weeks, this fundraiser asked congressman, or Congresswoman McKinney, if she had signed, quote, the pledge, unquote. She had not. The pledge was a loyalty pledge to the state of Israel because she had not signed, and because she had not signed this treasonous pledge, her campaign funds dried up. Now, this would be a good segue into the video. Just so everybody knows, it's not a video for us, it's an audio clip. You're on the radio. There's no video. Okay, so people need to understand that. We're playing an audio clip of Cynthia, what is it, Cynthia McKinney? Yep, Cynthia McKinney. She's being interviewed, and she's talking about her time in Congress. And there's no more special interest that has any more influence than the pro-Israel lobby. And so then when I did outreach, for example, to the Muslim community in the United States, Uh, I bumped into the pro-Israel lobby, which, of course, does not want to have to contend with a politicized Muslim community, which is as large as and is as wealthy as the pro-Israel lobby is in the United States. So, yes, I um, uh, first-handedly and also frontally (laughs) was uh, uh, assaulted by the presence of the pro-Israel lobby to such an extent. Physically assaulted? Well, politically assaulted to such an extent that my father had to ask the question publicly, 
what does Stone Mountain, Georgia have to do with Israel? What I was doing was servicing the needs of my constituents. And I was not allowed to do that because I did not toe the line on U.S. policy for Israel. What line is that that they wanted? Were you told directly that you had to toe a line or explain that to me? Well, every candidate for Congress at that time had a pledge. They were given a pledge to, to sign. And I was uh, new on the scene. And uh, so the pledge had Jerusalem as the capital city, uh, the military superiority of Israel. American Congress people have to sign this pledge. Yes, you sign the pledge. If you don't sign the pledge, you don't get money. So for example, it was almost like uh, water torture for me. My parents observed this. I would get a call and uh, the person on the other end of the phone would say, I want to do a fundraiser for you. And then we would get into the planning. I would get really excited because, of course, you have to have money in order to run a campaign. And then two weeks, three weeks into the planning, they would say, did you sign the pledge? And then I would say, no, I didn't sign the pledge. And then my fundraiser would go kaput. I made it public. This probably nobody had said anything about it. But I made it public, and then, you know, the excuse was, well, you know, those were just overzealous uh, ag advocates for Israel. So then the tactic changed. And, uh, but this is what is done for 535 members of the United States Congress. 100 senators, 435 members of the House of Representatives have to now write a paragraph, which basically says the same thing. So it's not a pledge, but it's a paragraph, and you post it, and, you know, there are these forums you have to go to at the synagogues or whatever, and then, you know, if you don't perform appropriately, then you don't get money to run your campaign. The problem is that it requires an awful lot of money to run a campaign. And whether it's a woman's organization, an environmental organization, people can read about this on the Internet if they're interested. If you go to uh, thomas.loc.gov, that is the official United States Congress website. And if you put in the name uh, Gus Savage, because Gus Savage was a black member of Congress, who was targeted by the pro-Israel lobby. And he had the foresight to use his position as an incumbent in the House of Representatives to put his experience on the congressional record for the entire existence of the United States Congress now, people will be able to access his experience. And what he wrote was that it was the Garden Club of New Jersey that gave his opponent $5,000. But it wasn't really the Garden Club of New Jersey. It was the activists who were associated with APAC, the okay. American Israel Public Affairs Committee. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Cynthia McKinney basically saying, hey, you got to sign an, a, a support Israel pledge. Now, is there a law that you have to support an Israel pledge? No. But they just force you, back you into it. 
And like the emperor's clothes, nobody's got the guts to say anything except for Cynthia did. Chris? Well, they're making too much money. And, and they're guaranteeing that during their next election, they will have uh, their election coffers flush with cash. So, of course, they're not going to open their mouths because, you know, most politicians, as you know, Sam, are, I'm not going to use the word uh, sociopathic because not all of them are, but they are narcissists. I will say that. They, they are uh, self-interested, just like everybody else is. Apparently, so much so that um, their morality or their sense of loyalty to America first is overridden by their desires to become reelected and continue a lifestyle that most of us would only dream about, Sam. And the Israel lobby, which, as Cynthia McKinney says, is very powerful in Washington, D.C., knows that. They know how to stroke these Congress people uh, so that they can control them, and most will go along. And she was an exception to the rule, and thanks, thanks for, for her. And she, she ran, but well, of course, she didn't get reelected uh, the second time she ran for Congress, which should tell you how powerful this lobby is. So do you think that it's uh, appropriate that we have a lobby so powerful that they can either make or break your campaign by giving or withdrawing campaign funds when you need them the most, Sam? Well, it certainly is vote election manipulation, to say the least. And so when they say there's no vote fraud... Uh, Cynthia McKinney bears strong testimony against those lies. It's direct uh, campaign manipulation, election manipulation, to say the least. Uh, the problem with it, ladies and gentlemen, is we have our free speech rights. We have our free association uh, rights. And even though there's no forced signing of Israel law, there is a browbeating to get that done to the point of um, people lose their agency and lose their liberty. And that's what we're talking about here, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully these stories illustrate how poignant the discussions really are. And these layers to these parables really help us understand and contemplate not only the problems, but what we must do to resolve them. This is Solutions Radio. Final word to you, Chris. Yes, sir. Without God, we can never win, Sam. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we do need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving Americans everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. And ladies and gentlemen, maybe someday Chris will tell you the grapes story, okay? Thanks for being alongside for the ride, ladies and gentlemen. Save that for next week. We'll do it. Uh, Chris Carlson and Sam Bushman, we declare God save the Republic of the United States of America. Happy Constitution Day. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the seventeenth in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-one. This is indeed our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country. 
We use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America, as our guide in doing so. We believe the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips? We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And ladies and gentlemen, it's all about restoration, not revolution, restoration. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need an Article 5 convention to let some modern-day bureaucrats rewrite the Constitution. That's psychotic. We don't need to secede from the Union and break up the greatest country on the face of the earth, the country that's set up, in my humble view, to welcome Jesus Christ when he returns. Okay, what we need to do is apply pure application of the principles that made America great can do it again. Don't you get it? It's the greatest time-tested experiment ever known to man couple of hundred years it's been successful is it perfect no we the people aren't perfect but we must claim the moral high ground and we must restore the republic peacefully in the traditions of our founding fathers and there's no no stopping us if we're a moral people there's no stopping us if we turn to god almighty and there's no stopping us if we use the formula the founders found they worked hard to discover the solution they called it a grand experiment it was successful. Well, this is Constitution Day, September 17th in the year of our Lord, 2021. We celebrate and honor the Founding Fathers, their commitment to liberty, putting everything on the altar. We ought take heed and do the same, but we celebrate. What was it, September 17th, 1787? There's a lot of sevens in there. No wonder if that's biblical. Uh, yes, it is. I don't wonder. I just make that kind of joke a little bit. And biblical is all get out about, you know what, the greatest country on the face of the earth. And that's really what we want to celebrate today with Dr. Scott Bradley. Co-host, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, and a happy Constitution Day to you, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, 234 years young today, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's gone over a bumpy road, and, and it's uh, getting bumpier, and we've got to do everything we can to restore the foundation because Therein lies the safety we had. It brought us to be the greatest, freest, strongest, most happy, most respected, and most prosperous nation on earth. This nation, all other nations, stood in awe of this nation until we lost our bearings and abandoned the principles that it was founded on. Whether it's war or whether it's where we spend our money or, or allow uh, individuals to prosper in peace in a free trade country that from border to border, Everybody could could become what God ordained them to become, anything they sought to do in righteousness. And man alive, have we abandoned that largely. Amen. And at, the, and at the core of that discussion is we've, we've jettisoned the moral high ground, which is saying that, you know what, God is the author of our liberty. God is the one whom we obey. It is God's laws that we base our our governing values on it. Okay. We've lost our moral compass. We've turned our back on almighty God. And we look to government, to leaders, to the arm of flesh for solutions. And that's our great error, doctor. Well, what we've done is, is uh, adopted unconstitutionally. And you say, Oh, everything is unconstitutionally to you, Bradley. Well, if it does violate the constitution, it is unconstitutional. And if you look at the, uh, the entire concept of, let's take the First Amendment, for example. Our religious liberty was, was uh, of course, it wasn't invented by the, the, the uh, Bill of Rights. It was just recognized and held sacred. But the concept of not having a state-supported religion, 
that was uh, that everyone, regardless of their belief system, had to ante up their money to do this was what they were trying to avoid. Everybody could worship whatever they wanted and wherever they wanted and however they wanted. But in fact, Jefferson was so bold when when he was talking of his uh, uh, Religious Liberties Act of Virginia in 1786. He said he considered himself kind of to be a religion of one because he had such a relief uh, a, a belief system that was so unique. I don't believe it was unique. I think he was uh, he was focused on the words of Christ. At, at any rate, the idea that we weren't going to have a tax supported uh, belief system has been totally violated when we put together the, the Marxist tenth uh, point of the Communist Manifesto, the point of the Humanist Manifesto where we have this tax-supported faith-based belief system that uh, is uh, a belief system that does not believe in a divine God, does not believe in in the creation uh, for purpose and all that kind of stuff. It believes in the wisdom and learning of man. And it is a faith-based system, and the humanists that are uh, are honest are saying, yeah, it is a faith-based system, and in a sense it is a religion. Yes, it is. It's become our national religion, a religion without God. And, and you're right, we have abandoned the high ground. We have turned our backs on the, the God that gave us breath, life, existence, creation, our Savior, I mean everything. And uh, we, what we do now is, is uh, if you hold your mouth just right, fill out the right form, and turn it into the right bureaucrat, that's how we get our prayers answered. At least that's how many, in so many circumstances, whether it's a a Pell Grant to go to college with, or or some kind of food stamp situation, or some kind of program for housing, or uh, the way our government here in a state gets transportation funds, or they go to education funds, or they get medical services. I mean, you can name almost any program that's out there, and it's uh, our savior really is government. Of course, we're looking now for some additional savers, uh, the scientists and physicians and, and pharma companies and politicians and, and uh, all of the bureaucrats and the celebrity endorsers that are telling us our savior is in the jab. But uh, that's another long story, probably. So, I'm, yes, I'm convinced you have cancel culture on a worldwide scale. We're canceling our relationships with God Almighty. We're canceling the understanding that the Founding Fathers gave their very all for, which is God is in his heaven, and a nation can't rise without his aid, and the, a nation can't exist without his blessings. And we've simply canceled that. We've canceled anybody talking about God. We've canceled the traditional God-ordained family. Male and female created them. God created the first marriage between Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. Adam and Eve, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and he did so because that's his fundamental unit of society. He did so because that perpetuates his plan to bring, pass, to, bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Okay, this is, we're his children, and he's created the God-ordained family for success. And, and so then he created a free country, the United States for liberty. And so I'm saying that we're starting to do this cancel culture thing where everything moral, everything right, everything honorable, everything good uh, is being canceled. 
on the altar of, quote, something supposedly better. Ah, oh, we don't need the Constitution. What we need is a, a Article 5 convention. Let's rewrite this sucker. We can do better. You know, the Founding Fathers were a bunch of old, clueless guys. I mean, they did. They meant well, but, geez, Louise, they had a lot of problems. Let's rewrite this. Th- okay, Th- we're throwing out everything that's fundamental to stability, to safety, to honor. And ultimately, we're turning our backs on God. And ultimately, it's going to be a Christian persecution fest. Because that's where they're aiming, ladies and gentlemen. This is a good versus evil, Christ versus Satan battle. And this war began in heaven and continues on the earth today. Let's be very clear. And the battle lines are being drawn right before your very eyes. So blatantly, so poignantly that it's hard to even breathe when you really think about the size and the breadth and the depth of this thing. This battle that we're in. But it's about the cancel. They're literally engaging in the cancel culture on a worldwide scale. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Bradley on Constitution Day, I thought this was worthy of discussion. You know, uh, you look at what uh, Washington said in his farewell address, religion and morality are the pillars of our liberty and so on. And uh, that was well understood. That was the basis of everything they did. They got their concepts of individual God-given rights out of the Holy Scriptures. But, you know, it it wasn't, I mean, a hundred years ago, it wasn't that far from the mark. I've read before, I think, on your program, Calvin Coolidge's statement, but I think it bears repeating today with with the things that you've said. Coolidge was probably, arguably, certainly the best president we had in the 20th century. But here's what he said. Our government rests upon religion. It is from that source that we we derive our reverence for truth and justice, for equality and liberality, for the rights of mankind. Unless the people believe in these principles, they cannot believe in our government. There are only two main theories of government in our world. One rests on righteousness and the other on force. One appeals to reason and the other appeals to the sword. One is exemplified in the republic. The other is represented by despotism. The government of a country never gets ahead of the religion of a country. There is no way by which we can substitute the authority of law for the virtue of man. Of course, we endeavor to restrain the vicious and furnish a fair degree of security and protection by legislation and police control, but the real reform which society in these days uh, is seeking will come as a result of our religious convictions, or they will not come at all. Peace, justice, humanity, charity, these cannot be legislated into being. They are the result of divine grace. I mean, he captured so much in those two little paragraphs that I think are... Uh, phenomenal, and and what we've lost in the last hundred years, and probably in the last twenty years, um, and maybe in the last two years, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's like it's in free fall. We're falling at the speed of gravity into our footprint, kind of like the trade towers. <laughs> Pray it isn't so, ladies and gentlemen, but tis true. Sad to say, but we are celebrating Constitution Day, George Washington, September nineteenth, seventeen. 96, religion and morality are necessary conditions for the preservation of a free government. Quick pause, Dr. Bradley, in seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, may I ask you, what is the KQ? You know, the kosher question. Most Americans will spend their entire lifetime purchasing food from the supermarkets while having no idea that almost every packaged food product on the grocery shelves is certified kosher. Indeed, the kosher question encompasses not only food and religion, but also affects our economics, politics, and our identity. 
In an effort to promote awareness to the kosher question, developers have published an app for your smartphone that features a database of food products that have not been kosher certified. The Koshertified app has prominent advertisement on TPC's homepage, or you can check out its website at thekosherquestion.com. With the cesspool of politics getting even deeper these days, why not leave the swamp and start eating in favor of your own interests? Check out thekosherquestion.com today and download the app. I have a question. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? I believe that great nations and great civilizations spring from a people who have a moral compass. I don't think a civilization can long endure that does not have respect for all human life born and not yet born. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. And Dr. Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about Constitution Day. We're talking about the Founding Fathers. And we're talking about the reality, ladies and gentlemen, that cancel culture uh, is being implemented on a worldwide scale. George Washington, September 19th, 1796. Religion and morality are necessary conditions of the preservation of the free government. Uh, this is critical to understand, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? We cannot go along or get along without religion and without morality in the people, all right? And what we've done is we've jettisoned all these things, and then we wonder why things have gone astray. And then we continually search for answers, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And I submit to you that we're in a war that began in heaven that is continually being waged on this earth. It is the war between good and evil. God, our Father, and his son, Jesus Christ, and Satan. And where do you stand in the war? As for me and my house, we choose the Lord. We choose the sacred cause of liberty. And what we need to do as a people is to repent and turn to God. Then we might qualify for his blessings. And then to do all within our power to promote God, family, and country. That's who we are. That's what we do. A lot of people want to make that a political statement, Dr. Bradley. But I submit to you there are really no political discussions. There are only moral discussions. And I know people think I'm kind of crazy on that. Whenever I bring it up, they kind of ponder and they go, hmm, I'll have to think about that there. But there really are no political discussions. There's only moral discussions. Okay, things are based on principle, not on people, not on opinion, Okay, the world is based on principle and moral law. And when those are broken, it does not go well, ever. Never has and never will. When those laws are obeyed, blessings follow. That's the consequence of obedience to God's law. This is fundamental, and the founders understood this, Doctor. You know, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, the old ancient saying, why hold ye between two opinions? I mean, how can we celebrate a sodomite culture for a month 
and, and call upon God to bless us that we might have our drought mitigated or the fires in the West or whatever. It, it is just, uh, you know, such an offensive kind of thing. It's, it's like we want to keep one foot in Babylon and then give lip service, if you will, drawing near to God with our lips and our mouths, but our hearts are far from him. And, and it's interesting that, I mean, I've got expansive statements we could, uh, we could read of the American County Fathers. And again, people may wonder, I don't know if they've ever thought of it, that I do seem to maybe be a little more verbose in terms of uh, expansive answers, but I, I look to the explanations and depth and breadth where the Founding Fathers truly exposed great truths, and they sometimes took a little bit longer to say it. Uh, but uh, uh, and if, if we had time and the interest, we could certainly expose some of those. I'll give you one brief statement, though, of, of an outsider that, that came here to America to see that, they were, that the world was awestruck by America. I mean, by the 1820s, 1830s, it was like, holy cow, where did these guys come from? And a guy, a little French guy from France came um, uh, here. His name is Alexis de Tocqueville. He wrote about us later, our country. He boots on the ground, uh, our, our farms, our factories, our courts, our churches. I mean, he, he tried to see what America was about at every turn. But one of the things he wrote was, Americans send out ministers of the gospel into the new western states to found schools and churches there, lest religion should be suffered to die away in those remote settlements. The rising states be less fitted to enjoy free institutions than the people from whence they emanated. The brief statement captured so much. Um, here's one he said. And the law permits Americans to do what they please. Religion prevents them from conceiving and forbids them to commit what is rash or unjust. Religion in America takes no direct part in the government of society, but it must nevertheless be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country. For if it does not impart a taste for freedom, it facilitates the use of free institutions. They hold it indispensable to the maintenance of Republican institutions. The, the opinion is not peculiar to the class of citizens or to a party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. This was the America we came from, people. I mean, and the American founding fathers, I mean, it was, it was plowed deep into our soil, and it was bringing forth magnificent fruits. And, and the fact of the matter is that, that nowadays we, we think we're going we're gonna to make it without God. And uh, and truly, uh, we we need to reevaluate that. I'll give you another example. Back in the 1790s, I believe it was 1796, Timothy Dwight uh, gave a Fourth of July speech, and it was an expansive speech. Again, I mean, it was probably 30 pages of fine typed, but but the basis of it was how do we maintain in times of trial? And and the the principal point was honoring the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This was a symbol, a sign between God and his people. If we were truly a modern-day Israel, we had to be able to recognize the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You know, you read in Ezekiel chapter 20, or you read at the end of the book of Second Chronicles, the importance of the Sabbath and how Israel only was able to remain free when it did that. This stuff, it, it's, it's in our bones it's in our hearts. It's woven into the very ligaments of our hearts, as Washington put uh, uh, his statements about our freedom. And yet today, we've turned our back on the very being that we owe all to, 
and uh, and we're going to have a comeuppance. Uh, George Mason, um, you know, he was he would have been. They don't they didn't have the term abolitionist in in his day, but he would have been considered such. He sat in the Constitution Convention of 1787, and he talked about how nations don't exist in eternities, and consequently they have to receive their reward, rewards or punishments in this life. And and I think that that has been demonstrated time and time and time again that nations get blessed or cursed, if you will, according to the the moral uh, tenor of the nation. And and well, I mean, I I left home when I was sixteen and I traveled the country. I I when I was a teenager, I went from Florida to Alaska and from New York to California, and I saw this nation. I met the people. I was in their homes. I had meals with them, worked in their fields, and I came to love this country and and the people in it. And there are good and wonderful people, but those that sit at the head of the government today have largely abandoned the foundation to the point that it's just not incompetence. I mean, it's just not stumbling and bumbling. This is purposely being done to destroy the very core and the heart of what made this nation what we were designed to be. And so the American I, we're, people, we're in trouble. The American people are tempted with bread and circus, don't have time for their God, don't have time for the traditional family, uh, and pursue selfish interests. I mean, you bring it up very well, Dr. Bradley. Why do we support gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender history for a month, but we only have one day for the Constitution, and most people don't even know that it's Constitution Day and never will. I mean, if that doesn't articulate it well, I don't know what does. But Alexis de Tocqueville said this as well. The American Republic will endure until the day Congress discovers that it can bribe the public with the public's money. That's really poignant for modern times, isn't it, though? Well, and you look at our 28 uh, and three-quarter trillion dollar admitted debt. It's, it's far greater than that because of the unfunded liabilities that they're not uh, willing to recognize. <clears throat> and then what's happening is we're trillions of dollars over the debt ceiling. Of course, nobody believes it. Nobody follows it. Nobody, nobody even gives a hang. But they're going to raise the debt ceiling, and they're going to expand. It's kind of like they have some semblance of, oh, you gave you gave us permission to rape you, so it's not rape. And it's like, no, no, it is what it is, regardless of what what kind of spin you put on it. And the entirety of what is going on at the head of the government, I, I used to largely say 80% of what the, the general government does is, is unconstitutional. I think it's far higher today, and I picked the 80% number based upon the spending and, and so on that the government authorizes every year, but but it's far higher than that. I mean, the sweeping, uh, monarchical statements of power that are are being set forth, it's, it's a tragic travesty, and the fact that we don't have a generation of Americans rising up right now and saying, "No, we will not. We will not stand for this." Um, I think of the people, and, and we've talked about the Franco-Prussian War and, and the resulting um, uh, Paris Commune in, in Paris. Uh, a bunch of communist uh, uh, conglomerate of communists were running the place. 
and how they were incompetent to govern and they were running out of town on a rail. That's where we are right now in America, right now. The only problem is the conservatives and the Christians and those who would hold this country together based on sound principle are the ones being run out on a rail. Those who won't take the vaccines, etc., etc. Dr. Bradley with me. Quick pause. Liberty Roundtable live on Constitution Day. Thank the heavens for the founders. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley accused of treason at the waning moments of the Trump administration by disregarding the chain of command spoke on the subject for the first time Friday. Milley said that calls he made to his Chinese counterpart were perfectly within the duties and responsibilities of his job. General Milley goes on to say such calls are routine and were done to reassure both allies and adversaries in this case in order to ensure strategic stability. Another Texas inmate has had his execution delayed over claims the state is violating his religious freedom by not letting his spiritual advisor touch him at the time of his lethal injection. Ruben Gutierrez was set to be executed on October 27th for fatally stabbing an 85-year-old Brownsville woman in 1998. Gutierrez was previously an hour away from execution in June of 2020 when the Supreme Court granted him a stay because of the same spiritual advisor complaint. USA Radio News. According to research, 82% of people remember radio ads. That means that 82% of you listening right now will remember that this is an ad for ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, 82% of you will recall that ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. And 82% of you will note that you can try ZipRecruiter for free today. But you have to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash find. 82% of you will keep in mind that ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified people for your job and actively invites them to apply. Is that you? Who are you talking to? 82% of you will also know that I, um, live with my mom. But the most important thing to note is that ZipRecruiter works. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Will you be part of the 82% who remember where you can try ZipRecruiter for free? It's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. Again, that exclusive link is ZipRecruiter.com slash find. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. Let's get an update on the rally to take place in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Chris Barnes has more. The fence is back around the U.S. Capitol building and the National Guard's at the ready in case it needs to be deployed over the weekend. As police say, they may need help with crowd control if things turn violent at a Saturday rally. As many as a 1,000 demonstrators are planning to gather, according to police, to support the more than 600 people arrested in the January Capitol attack. The event's organizer calling them political prisoners and promising the rally will stay peaceful. Authorities say they're not taking any chances. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. There will be a press briefing by White House COVID-19 response team and public health officials today in the press briefing room in Washington. President Biden heads back to Delaware with stops in Dover and Rehoboth Beach. This is USA Radio News. Gentlemen, I do want to focus on Constitution Day for sure. 
I do want to focus on the Founding Fathers and their leadership and the incredible foresight and insight they had and the sacrifices they made, no doubt about it. But I got to kind of mention this because they're pounding this in the news now. They say this, justice for J6 rally in D.C. this weekend. September 18th rally in D.C. And I look at this thing and I say it's disaster, ladies and gentlemen. Rallying in D.C. for the cause of liberty right now has no value. I'm telling you not to go. I'm telling you that it's nothing but a setup. That's what they did with January the 6th. Now you literally have congressmen and senators beating people up. They say it's fine that they protest. It's fine that they come. But now they're setting up fences around the Capitol uh, buildings and stuff like that. They're, they're going on and saying, okay, uh, you know, you have a right to protest. But look, you don't have a right to spew your views about what happened on January the 6th. We know what happened. But ladies and gentlemen, I've already documented there's 14,000 hours of video that Judicial Watch is trying to get released right now. And they want us to believe that they know what happened because they paint the narrative, but yet they won't release the 14,000 hours of video. When January 6th happened, I had people on the air that documented the other side of the story very well. The mainstream press is lying to you. They're in bed with the media, who's in bed with the deep state, who literally created provocateurs who made this event into what it was. They had an agenda here. And peaceful people got caught in a trap. And we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to jettison this J6 rally in weekend. It isn't justice for J6. That's not at all what it is. And you got to kind of wonder, who's all behind this rally? Nobody in their right mind would go there right now, knowing full well we were betrayed last time, etc., etc. I'm telling you, it's a disaster. I wouldn't even think of going to something like this. Uh, Dr. Bradley, do you want to speak out on this too? Well, I, you know, I, I know so very little about what's happening right now. I do know that, uh, you know, habeas corpus and all those other kinds of things have been basically suspended. They've tried to make this January 6th situation turn into a Reichstag fire of February of 1933 under Adolf Hitler and the expansion of government totalitarian control. Um, they are attempting to make, well, it's, I often say, uh, a nothing burger or something, and, uh, and and they're not done with it. That's what I'm really, really suspicious about and very concerned about, because um, a lot of times escalation, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll not let another disaster or perceived disaster go without further leveraging the tyranny. Um, I could tell you stories about some of the things that happened back during some of the demonstrations back during the moratorium on the war during Vietnam and how U.S. troops were marshaled against uh, other Americans. And, I mean, we're talking fixed bayonet kind of stuff. I mean, you know, and it's like, holy cow, what is going on? Uh, it's, it's people that just power and tyranny go hand in hand, you know. So it sounds like it could be a real disaster. It could be a, uh, a formula for an awful lot of uh, further acrimony and, and maybe some further justification for, for more tyranny in the nation. But I don't know. Holy cow. Well, here's, here's what I find interesting. You hear this justice for J6. That doesn't sound like a name patriots would come up with, first of all. Secondly, you know what? Who are the organizers 
behind this. I mean, when you take a Sam Bushman, a nationally syndicated talk show host, got my ear to the ground 24-7. You take a Dr. Scott Bradley, again, um, got his ear to the ground 24-7 on this thing. We don't have any idea who these people are. Who the heck are Justice for J6? They say up to 700 people to protest, don't wear Trump signs and memorabilia. Who are Justice for J6 organizers? I mean, I don't even know who these people are, but they just materialize from nowhere and they want to lead the parade. The founders warned about this too, Dr. Bradley. Well, you know, we <laughs> we we do have an awful lot of the rabble in the streets nowadays that uh, are fomenting destruction. I mean, look at the, with Antifa and the, uh, the Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd stuff and the whole last summer a year ago that... Uh, um, everything was looking like uh, revolution was coming our way. And, and, you know, it's interesting, that's exactly what happened uh, when the uh, Communist Manifesto was brought forth back in 1848. Uh, Marx and Engels had been given a deadline to have it done. There had been professional agitators and revolutionaries and planners that had been working all across Europe uh, for, for literally years to... Uh, to this time in the spring of, of 1848, where uh, they were going to use the publication of the Communist Manifesto as the, the trigger to have these uprisings across Europe. And, and they, they weren't spontaneous uprisings. They were well-planned, and, and they were, you know, something that they were attempting to overthrow the existing governments. That's what communism's about. And the conflict, the confusion, the the um, uh, issues between, you know, rich against poor, men against women, elite against unelite, any, you pick anything. They'll, they'll take any fight they can because this kind of conflict is what they hope to bring about to destabilize society and ultimately and finally overthrow the existing um, government form. And so anyway, that's what happened when that was published, and they were hoping everybody say, oh my goodness, this was a pent-up demand, oh, look at this, everybody's ready to, to do something different. They all fizzled, okay, but there was a lot of bloodshed, a lot of destruction, and all those kind of things, but that's how communists always do things. And so I'm a little bit concerned that this process that's being implemented now has its max of a Marxist flavor. Because that's how yes, Marxism has always done it. And the term so. they use, justice for J6 rally, that really sounds like socialism. People put this together. Now, here's the interesting thing. So here's my headline. Justice for J6 rally in D.C. this weekend. Don't attend. Who is Matt Brainerd? All right. This Matt Bernard or Brainerd guy is supposedly a you know campaign organizer for Donald Trump. That's where he got his fame. So he kind of came out of Johnny Come Lately, and, and now he's supposedly the brains behind the organization behind uh, whatever this thing. He's the exec director of like Look Ahead America or something like that. And, and now all of a sudden he's like in front of the train. It reminds me of the, it, why is this guy all of a sudden? Hey, and so people say, don't go to the rally. We're concerned about the rally. He brushes off all the concerns, said this is no problem at all. But who is this guy? Okay, these people just materialize out of nowhere. And then the American people just jump behind him and trust him. I wouldn't go to this rally because I don't know who these people are and what their intentions are at all. All right, I'm saying don't attend. 
Uh, and, and so I really want people to understand. I'm not saying you don't have the right to peacefully, um, you know, express your views and peacefully assemble. You do. But this idea that we're going to protest, this idea that the cops are already gearing up for kind of a riot scenario or whatever else. I mean, I don't know if it'll go peaceful or not, but I know this. There's no value in going there at all. What are they even advocating for? Okay. Judicial Watch has got it right. Let's get the 14,000 hours of video and find out what really went on there. But going to the Capitol and protesting is just baiting, in my opinion, the mousetrap, doctor. Well, you know, it's interesting that that we do have a methodology, and you're talking about 14,000 hours of videotape. It, it can happen in a, a non-emotional kind of a review of the facts, if you will. That's kind of what's supposed to be a court, you know. You're supposed to be able to have an unpeeling of the onion, if you will, in a in a setting that allows truth ultimately to be exposed and and if people keep throwing you know riotous everything's in there and attempts to get the habeas corpus suspended and all that kind of stuff and and more noise 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 and and nobody ever gets to the bottom of anything and i it may be just simply and fully and completely another distraction that gives an opening for somebody to to drive a truck through that says yep we gotta shut these babies down. This is uh, we gotta we gotta declare some kind of insurrection thing or something. I mean, it it does it's fraught with some danger. So, you know, we we need to unpeel the onion in an unemotional state and and get to the bottom of it, get the facts. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes when they claim to be unpeeling the onion, you don't get that when you have your nine eleven report that uh, overlooks the uh, the two thousand pound. Uh, uh, elephant in the room on so many things, you say, no, no, we, we, we need some true, honorable, honest a- a expansion of understanding through a, uh, a reasonable investigative process. Yeah, so, no Warren Commission reports, huh? No. Or ta- Gulf of Tonkin uh, things, all that kind of stuff. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so, anyway. it is Constitution Day today. We're celebrating it. We love and appreciate the Founding Fathers and all they've done for us. I hope we carry the legacy forward by doing as they did. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, uh, who the heck is this Matt Brainerd guy? When somebody jumps ahead of the parade and you don't know who they are, look out, baby. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, 
Many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I go ahead and check out Look Ahead America website. Uh, Matt Brainer is the executive director, and they do have a leadership uh, tab here. You say Matt Brainer is the executive director of Look Ahead. This is the uh, guy that's leading this, quote, rally in D.C. They say he's the former director of data and strategy for the Donald Trump campaign. He drafted and executed a strategy of targeting, quote, low propensity voters who had a high affinity for President Trump. He is the president of Brainer Group, a political and digital strategy firm. He has worked for over 100 federal and state and municipal candidates and many national advocacy organizations and nonprofits. He previously worked on messaging and on surveys for Frank Luntz. He was a, quote, senior redistricting and election administration analyst. Um, let's see. And election data services and served for three election cycles in the Republican National Committee's uh, political analysis department. Prior to joining the RNC in 1996, Matt was a field coordinator for Buchanan for president. After the 2020 general election, Matt founded and led the Voter Integrity Project, digging into illegal ballots and other election anomalies. Anyway, they go on. But the, all I'm telling you is that's this guy. And I look at that and I say, you know what? You're in big money. You worked for over 100 candidates and you've been involved in the RNC since 96 or whatever it is. I'm kind of going, mm, I don't know. This is really a swamp monster that seemed to gravitate towards the Donald, it seems to me. Uh, but I think he's throwing caution to the wind. Uh, and I think, again, some of these people that forge ahead with these things, um, all I'm saying is they, they lose the better part of valor on this thing because they're putting people in, in, in harm's way. And if we're not careful and something goes wrong, then all it does is set the stage for us not even to be able to peacefully assemble. We need to be very cognizant about this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and they've set the stage to create traps uh, all over. It's a very difficult day uh, in America on Constitution Day as we celebrate, what did you say, 234 years? That's correct. Man, it's fraught with yep. peril, sir. <clears throat> you know, kind of circling around, if you will, back to the the theme we started off with, uh, the magnificence of this. I mean, I think that uh, we do need to, to kind of recalibrate our minds to understand the, the depth and breadth of what was there. Um, uh, just uh, 
James Madison, you know, considered the father of the Constitution for a lot of very good reasons, and he was very eloquent in his defense of the Constitution and uh, brilliant in his uh, ideas of limited government and checks and balances and delegation of power. And he got a lot of these things from, you know, the uh, writings of Montesquieu and Locke and and uh, Blackstone, and the biggest part of their, all of this came from, out of the Scriptures. And when Montesquieu, Locke, and Blackstone were quoting Scriptures, that's where these things all came from. I mean, it was all tied back to the godly things. But it's interesting, in the Federalist Paper, number 37, again, these were written to help get the Constitution ratified, um, Madison uh, wrote of the hand of the Almighty in the victory of the Revolutionary War and in the bringing forth of the new Constitution. And we could talk about some of these things, how they went forward and were tied in with proclamations directed by Congress and the President and everything like that. But here in the 37th Federalist Paper, he he gave you know the glory to God, if you will. He said, the real wonder is that so many difficulties should have been surmounted, and surmounted with a unanimity almost as unprecedented as it must have been unexpected. It is impossible for any man of candor to reflect on this circumstance without partaking of the astonishment. It is impossible for the man of pious reflection not to perceive in it a finger of that almighty hand which has been so frequently and signally extended to our relief in the critical stages of the Revolution. So not only did we get through the Revolution by the hand of God, but we got this Constitution. And that is truly what they believed. And and we we need to understand they continually turn back to that and and I can I think demonstrate the the concept of the freedom of religion and the how inextricably interwoven God is in this nation by a uh, proclamation that was uh, required by Congress as the uh, Bill of Rights was brought forth and sent to the states and and it was sent to Washington and he brought it forth. Uh, on the 3rd of October, and, and recognizing the hand of God in the founding of this nation. I mean, this this stuff, I mean, I wish there were time that, uh, well, for our family, every Thanksgiving at least, we, we read over this Thanksgiving proclamation that Washington sent out on the 3rd of October to uh, for the day of Thanksgiving and prayer to be uh, recognized across the nation. But But what's interesting is that the Congress that had just barely passed the proposed amendments that became our Bill of Rights, so this freedom of religion thing that some people say, oh, no, 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 that means you've got to be adversarial to God and religion and everything as a nation. No, those people that passed that and sent them out for ratification to the states, those exact same people immediately passed a resolution requiring George Washington to send out a proclamation that the nation spend a day in fasting and prayer in recognition of the hand of God for their good. This stuff was... The nation steeped in this, and and for us today to think we're going to make it without God, I think we're we're barking up the wrong tree, and we're going to find we got to come up, but it's coming. Well, you got to pray hard. You got to work hard. You got to do all that you have control of, ladies and gentlemen. And then what you've got to do is trust in God Almighty, because otherwise it just becomes a discouraging situation where you feel like there's no hope ladies and gentlemen i want to refer you to the book by ezra Taft benson called the constitution a heavenly banner the constitution is indeed a heavenly banner and is the defined blueprint 
for civil law upon the earth. It's important for us to take the time to be acquainted with this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we're talking about. The Constitution, I believe, to be a heavenly banner, Doctor. Well, uh, I'm absolutely in concord with that. Uh, I, I believe that it's the basis of established mortal government. And now, of course, God God's the author of government, honestly. God established justice and mercy and all those kind of wonderful things in all eternity. And the, the uh, manifestation of his will was recognized in the scriptures, and those that thought about these things saw, as the Renaissance came forward, they saw the, uh, the magnificence of his creations through telescopes that had never been used before, microscopes that had never been used before. They saw, they saw order, they saw purpose, and uh, it spoke of a hand of a creator. And, and so this was kind of a, a bringing to fruit. The ground was plowed, if you will, in order to prepare uh, for, the, for the Constitution. I mean, the settling of the Pilgrim Puritans and the bringing forth of the concepts of, of liberty and self-government and this, these ideas of, of uh, awakening. Uh, you know, we talk about Locke and Montesquieu and, and Blackstone and others, and, and the religiosity of the people. All of this brought forth concepts of God-given rights, which were then canonized, if you will, in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. That's a creator. That's God. They're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. They mention a few, and then they say it's the purpose of government to secure these rights, and the consent of the governed is required in that. And we could talk at length about all of these things. It is so astounding to me that we have forgotten these fundamental truths and, and these principles upon which are, are very, uh, everything we cherish hinges. Everything virtuous, lovely, of good report and praiseworthy, everything that has meaning and purpose uh, and basically <laughs> goes way beyond the base and crude things that everybody, not everybody, but many seem to be pursuing today. All of this stuff came together in a constitution. You know, these principles of being created and, and having a, uh, inalienable rights and everything, that the promise was the Declaration. And, and 11 years later, the Constitution was written to deliver those promises. And they've vouched them safe and protected them and held them sacred. And, and, and the Bill of Rights was added to that to make certain that there was no misunderstanding, you know, the further, clarific further clarification so there could be no misconstruction. These things all were part of a series of events that, you know, if, if people, it's like, oh, I didn't all come forth at once. Well, it's kind of like you got to clear the sagebrush before you can plow the ground. you got to bring the, the uh, water in to irrigate. You've got to plant the seeds. you got to be all able to... All things in order, ladies and gentlemen, that's they for are. sure. I also want to mention a more perfect union. America Becomes a Nation. That's a 1989 American feature film dramatizing, ladies and gentlemen, the events of the 1787 Constitutional Convention. It was put together by Brigham Young University to commemorate the 200th anniversary of the 1787 Constitutional Convention. Uh, this is important. It's a great movie, A More Perfect Union. So I'm going to mention the book. The Constitution, Heavenly Banner, and the movie, 
uh, a more perfect union. Find them both because it will give you a reverence for and appreciation of and gratitude regarding the work that went into the greatest country on the face of the earth and the supreme law of the land that governs it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be very clear. Uh, the Constitution is a heavenly banner, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? The Constitution is indeed a heavenly banner and is the divine blueprint for civil law upon the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be very clear. We want to highlight that home, bear our witness that Jesus Christ is at the helm of our liberty and the Constitution was put in place to usher in his reign when the time comes. I don't know when that day will be, but I pray for it and I work towards it. Uh, and that's how sacred this is, Doctor. Well, you know, they, a lot of people today, they think that government revolution and rabble-rousers and all that kind of stuff, that founding fathers couldn't have been any farther from that. They were well-seasoned diplomats. They were uh, individuals that loved God. They were individuals, that, and, and that's a lie, by the way, that they, they were deists and all these other nonsensical atheist kinds of things. They had a very, very sound godly heritage. And, and these are the individuals that brought it forth in solemnity. Uh, and, and that's, by the way, one of the things that I enjoy about that uh, video, More Perfect Union. You get a kind of a flavor for the, for the depth of their caring and, and, and how disappointed they are when sometimes it seems like things aren't going like they should. And, and you know, when Ben Franklin said, if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his knowledge, is it probable an empire can arise without his aid? They, they were worried about pleasing God and how God had to have a hand in this whole thing. It's fascinating to me. It bears further, further review. And as we should, they were very concerned about their status before God, wanting to repent, wanting to receive his blessings, wanting to obey his commandments. They made that very clear as well. So ladies and gentlemen, Indeed. we encourage you, and of course that means us as well, we want to do the same as we carry forward their sacred legacy and honor them on Constitution Day. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. FreedomsRisingSun.com is Dr. Bradley's website. LibertyRoundtable.com is the site for the show. LovingLiberty.net is the site for our syndicated radio network. Donate, support us, do all that you can to spread the word. This nation shall endure. God save the republic. Happy Constitution Day.